Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So today, Katina, you are sharing an article with us. What's the topic? Yes. So the article that I'm going to be talking about today has to do with work-life balance, but a very interesting way of getting more satisfaction with your work-life balance, um, which is to try to get in some more physical activity during your workday. Um, And so this article makes the link between getting more steps in over the course of your day and feeling more balanced by the end of the day. So we'll talk about how you kind of get there from steps to feeling more balanced, but it's kind of an interesting chain of events that your steps set off. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm very curious. I'm curious to hear if like our treadmills by our desks is the right thing or if it's a different kind of steps. Um, any steps count. So if you're a person who is trying to, uh, get just any more activity into your day, um, this might be something of interest for you. Or if you think you'd like to get more activity into your day, this might be of interest for you. Um, as Patricia just mentioned, we have, um, walking desks that we got to try to get more steps in our day. That would definitely count. Um, And lately I've been having, my only problem is I cannot really type and walk. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) It's a little too much coordination for me. Um, And recently the stuff that I've had to get done during the day, I've been doing more writing lately. And so I can't really like type and walk. So I've been doing less walking in my meetings. And um, it's very interesting now knowing that this might have an impact on other outcomes in my life that I hadn't thought about. Yeah, that is interesting. And I'm in a similar boat. Like a lot of meetings I'm in, I can't, I can't walk because I have to write something down or type something up or what have you. And I'm just a disaster. But when I'm in like a session where someone else is talking, they're sharing information, you know, new product, whatever, then I can do it because then I can sit there and just watch and watch and walk. Well, that was hard for me to say for some reason, but (laughs) watch and walk and that works, but I can't do anything that has to do with like writing or like, you know, for example, even a one-on-one with one of my employees, like usually there's some sort of issue or something I need to be taking note of. And so I fail when I try to walk and do that at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, my cousin who owns, um, remix fitness that we have, uh, uh, partnered with before for our reset. Um, she just got a walking desk and she messaged me and was like, you have one of these, right? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, okay, the walking and typing, very hard to coordinate. And I was like, I feel better that you're saying it because she is extremely coordinated. So it must just be a, tr- a struggle. But I do think that, um, there could be times where I could probably tamp down and I'm sure I know we are similar in this. So maybe this relates to you as well, but there could be times where I could maybe tamp down my need to feel like I have to type everything right away Mm -hmm. and maybe instead like walk during the meeting, but then reserve 10 minutes after the meeting to type up my notes or something like that. You know what I mean? Like in something Mm -hmm. where it's not like I have to take detailed, detailed notes, but just like action steps or something like that. Um, Yeah. It could be possible that I, if I just have to type a little bit during the meeting, I don't want to also overestimate that I like can't walk at all, you know? So I have to get better at that. 
That's a good point. I tend to struggle with too many back-to-back meetings, even though I know mm-hmm. we talked about that in podcasts before. Yes. And I know we shouldn't be doing that, but sometimes I get stuck in those situations. And when I'm in that, that's really hard for me to take notes after. So I end up yeah. just not being able to. I just have to do it in the moment. Otherwise, I'm going to forget what I talked about in that meeting after I've gone through four more before I actually have a break, right? So yeah, then I get stuck and it's a bummer. I definitely haven't been using it as much as I want to. It's like... I'll probably, it's not every day. When I first got it, it was definitely every day. But when I first got it, I also had just started this job. Right. And so I did a lot more listening and a lot less yeah. yep. active work. Um, yeah. So, oh, well, it is what it is. I feel like it's really good for things like that, though. Like we have once a month, a full day of faculty meetings that start at 9 a.m. and don't end until like three or four, which oh, is yeah. also just like. You know, maybe that should, yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but that day I love having the treadmill for, because I should really be paying attention to what's going on. And sometimes I'm like multitasking and stuff in between it. I'm not going to walk for six hours on it, but yeah. you know, to just alternate back and forth, like maybe walk on it for an hour and then get off and answer the emails that cropped up for the next hour and then get back up and walk for an hour, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really helpful for days like that where you're like in a stretch. Yep, exactly. And it makes you, to your point, not multitask as much. So you actually focus in on it a bit more. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's right. Because, you know, there are all, we all have meetings that we, you know, you can pay partial attention to, but you're not like the main person that needs to be paying all your attention. Um, And so... In those situations, I do feel like often I'll multitask, but then sometimes it'll be like, well, what was the point of even being in the meeting? Because like, I just like end up not listening at all. (laughs) So (laughs) I think that and then sometimes I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I did actually want to know like what happened with XYZ. And then I'm like, oh, I missed it because I was doing something else. So um, so I do think it does help me to stay focused better for sure. Yeah. And this is like such a tangent, but I hate when. I can multitask in a meeting and it's being recorded because I always mm-hmm. manage to do the mental gymnastics that tell me I can just watch it later when I'm not going to watch it later. So right, pay attention right, now. True. Like why that's are you doing true. this? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I think also, I mean, we always talk about this. Interestingly, we, and sometimes we don't, we neglect to recognize it in ourselves too. Like part of it is just that we have too much crap to do. Right. Yeah. So like, it's not just that like we're just like some like idiots that are just like, well, I don't know. Like I, I can't I can't listen. I don't know how to do that. Um, It's like it's like we have a lot of stuff to get done in the day. And if we want to finish by a reasonable hour, like sometimes multitasking is necessary. And actually, like there are a lot of things that, you know, everybody has to do for their job that, you know, there are some meetings that you it's more efficient for you to do something else because it truly isn't necessary for you to be there, whatever. But like um, it is interesting because it's like this like you said before, mental gymnastics of trying to figure out like where's the line of being efficient. And then the flip side of that is like actually making yourself less effective because you've like, you've taken care of some task that like seems urgent, but then there's like something else that you're missing that actually in the long term might be needed or, you know, somewhat important or whatever. So I have struggled with that too, because we just have a lot of stuff to get done in the, in a day. And sometimes it's hard to make those decisions about how to allocate your time in real time. Totally. Yeah. It can be a challenge for sure. Um, yes. Well, 
before we talk more about this, because clearly it's a topic yeah. we're super interested in <laughs> yeah. uh, and has led us to many tangents, I uh, just yes. wanted to see how you're doing. What's going on? I am good and I'm excited because I am about to, in a few days, leave to come see you and hang out in Palm Springs. And I'm very, Yay. very, very excited about that. So, so that excited. is awesome. I can't wait to go and um, spend time with you and see a new place that I have never been before. So all of this is very exciting. Um, so yeah, I think like that's really the big thing that's on my radar. Um, my class um, for this semester, I'm teaching strategic HR management that class just kicked off um, tonight. So I have a section on Monday, a section on Wednesday. Um, so the Monday section just kicked off tonight. So starting my new class and then teach again on Wednesday, fly out to see you on Thursday and then fly back again on Tuesday before I teach my next class on Monday because it's Labor Day or on Wednesday because it's Labor Day. So the Monday class is not meeting. So um, kind of a perfect little getaway in between my class sessions there. Yeah, and it's actually kind of funny timing because this episode's going to air um, around the time that I'm going to be picking you up from the airport, and we're going to have so much fun. Yay. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's been way too long. I know. Um, I am just so excited to be with you in person, and Yay. I'm so excited for you to see Palm Springs because I know that you are going to love it. Um, so we're going to have a blast. It's going to be so great. Yeah, I'm really excited. and um, And yeah, I mean... By the time this airs, I'll be in the air. Um, and then uh, and then maybe some of you, if you listen to it the day that it comes out, maybe in the evening after work, you can just imagine that we are in a tiki bar, cheersing, having a nice cocktail and reuniting after so long of not being able to see each other. So this this is awesome. So just imagine it and feel happy for us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, we will be on Thursday at a tiki bar drinking tiki drinks and it'll be yes. amazing. Um, and it'll be interesting because we'll be working while we're together, but it'll be very hot. So our steps might be reduced. <laughs> so, <laughs> try to get to the transition. <laughs> well, yes, we knew that was very good. <laughs> We need to figure out a way to continue getting our steps despite the heat. Maybe we can walk around the house. <laughs> because actually, as we will learn from this article, it doesn't need to be anything that's like super crazy. Yeah. So that's a that's actually a good segue uh, that you made because even though it's hot outside, you don't actually need to go outside necessarily to get your steps per this study. Um and so, yeah, so what is the study before we continue holding you in suspense? Um, <laughs> it's called Understanding the Relationship Between Prior to End of Workday Physical Activity and Work-Life Balance, a Within-Person Approach. And it's by Calderwood, Gabriel, Ten Brummelhuis, Rosen, and Roast. And it is from the Journal of Applied Psychology, and it just came out, brand new. Um so, yeah, so as we were talking about, this comes from, or this uh, paper is discussing basically steps that you get in, which they're quantifying as physical activity, 
prior to the end of your workday. So stuff that you're actually doing during your workday, not necessarily time that's set aside specifically for exercise. Nice. Okay. So that is a good distinction. So it's not like I took an hour in the middle of the day to do some sort of class, um, but it's just activity throughout the day, right? Yes. Yes. So this is, uh, yes, this is folks activity that they're taking, uh, as measured by a step counter. So like a Fitbit or something like that, they don't say, um, which brand, but something like that, that basically tells you the number of steps that were taken over the course of the day. Um, they don't know, um, why people were active. Um, so they can't say that like, you know, people took the steps inside or outside or that they took their steps, um, you know, uh, by taking a break at lunch to go for a run or something like they don't have that information. Um, but what they can say is that this is a within person study. So it's based on if you take more steps on one day versus the day that you took less steps then the that's what prompts these impacts. So it's basically relative to you. So if you generally take a lot of steps and then another one day you take less steps than usual, that will have an impact. If you um, basically take more steps than you might on average, that should have an impact. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah. awesome. I am excited to hear um, more of the details of what they found and like how they set up the study or what else do you want to tell us? Yeah. So basically, we know that physical activity has health benefits, wellness benefits. It can impact your performance. Um, but a lot of the studies that people have done on exercise look at post-work exercise. So did you work out after your workday was done? We don't know a lot about the impact of activity, physical activity, meaning steps in the study, as we just said during the workday and how that might impact how you feel at the end of the workday and then what you do after work. Um, there's a lot of uh, evidence that suggests that physical activity in general is helpful. But one of the things that they're interested in is thinking about how steps that you take during the day might actually prompt you to feel more energized by the end of the day. So you might think, oh, the more physical activity that I engage in over the course of the day, so if I'm up and moving all day long, by the end of the day, I'll be more tired. But actually, the research that, that's out there suggests that getting up and actually activating your body and physical activity um, – should lead to greater feelings of physical energy. So like you can think about when you're sitting down and I think about this, like when I have a whole day where I'm like sitting on Zoom meetings or a whole day where I'm sitting in meetings in the office, by the end of the day, you could feel really drained. Whereas even though you're moving around a lot more, if you have a day where you are in meetings maybe, but you take one of those meetings walking around your house or you get up and move every now and again, or you are in the office and instead of being in meetings in one room all day, even if you're moving from room to room, that in between getting up and moving around actually does something to make you feel like what they're calling more vigorous. Um, mm. So they're kind of linking factor between these steps and work family balance starts with this idea 
that when you engage in physical activity, it should activate energy in your body, even though it's expending some energy, sitting down and not moving around actually puts you in less of like a vigorous state. You're just more like bleh. (laughs) Whereas if you get up and move around a little bit more, it actually gives you a little bit more feeling of like being energized, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It totally makes sense. And I feel like everyone can probably relate to that to some degree. Like when you're just sitting in front of a computer all day long, the same seat, not moving. Oh, that's like the worst feeling, right? And yeah. I feel like I've been having more and more of those days lately. So I'm trying to fit in other things. But um, even just the act of getting up between a meeting and walking to my kitchen and grabbing some more water and like even sitting in a different position, right? Like in a different seat somewhere else, like for five seconds can make a difference. I think just any kind of movement where you're changing the way that you're sitting or I don't know, your posture, what have you can make a difference. So I totally can see how this would make sense. Just doing a little bit of activity, whatever that might be. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear. So that's what they were thinking. Well, how did they test it? Yeah, so basically this was done with in-person. So what they did was they had people wear a tracker all day long and then they looked at how much physical activity they got um, during their workday. So from when they woke up until the end of their workday, which was uh, basically when they completed um, an afternoon survey, which was only available until 7 p.m. So, um, but uh, they had them mark when they ended their work day, uh, when their work hours were over. So it was only if they continued working until that time that they included those post work hours. Um, and so basically what they, what they did was they had the number of steps that people took while they were working. And then the vigor questions were things like, I feel like I have a lot of energy. Um, and they asked those questions in the afternoon again, uh, between four and 7 PM Uh, to figure out the extent to which people felt vigorous. Um, And then uh, they have this other set of things that they think make the link work with work-life balance, which they also measured, um, which I can get into um, in a second. Uh, But basically this link was they looked at the extent to which those steps related to vigor at the end of the day. Um, And then they asked people to rate at bedtime the extent to which they engaged in some recovery experiences and the extent to which they felt absorbed with their family and their satisfaction with work-life balance, which I can talk about now. So you walk all day. That they're looking at is that related at the end of the day to your vigor. And then after you get home from work, What they think happens is that when you have more energy at the end of the day or you engage in more energizing activities during your workday, two things could happen from a recovery perspective that could contribute to you being satisfied with work-life balance. One could be like, wow, I felt really active today and that makes me happy with myself because I got up, I moved around, I feel more vigorous. Um, And so now I can engage in relaxation without feeling guilty. So one avenue might be now that I had this energizing day, when I go home and relax, I don't feel bad about it. And I can actually like disconnect and feel good about relaxing. So one thing they think might happen is that people who are 
expend more energy during the day through these steps might have more pleasurable relaxation activities in the evening. Okay. So when they see relaxation activities, like are they, what kind of things are they measuring? Do you have those questions? Yeah. So the things that um, are involved in relaxing are things about just like literally the items are like I kick back and relaxed. Uh, okay. <laughs> so really just disconnecting and relaxing, um, engaging in like more sedentary activities. And the idea for that is again, that if you already expended more energy, if you are going to relax, you're going to feel just happier about doing so instead of being like, Oh, I sat around all day and now I'm just sitting around again. And even though like it might feel like relaxing, I don't feel good about it because I just like feel like I'm being more like lazy or something. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. So it's basically like I did a bunch of stuff. I was productive at work. I was moving around. And so I feel like I've earned this time to relax basically. Yes, exactly. Another pathway that might lead to uh, work-life balance is sort of an opposite idea, which is that the more energy I feel at the end of my workday, so I take a lot of steps, that gives me some energy, I feel more vigorous. Sometimes I might turn that vigor into mastering things, engaging in mastery activities, which we know are good for recovery. Um, And so when we're talking about mastery, that's getting better at a skill we've talked before in both the podcast and on the blog about these different forms of recovery. So mastery is like doing things that challenge you that you care about and trying to improve at them. So another avenue by which your work-life balance might be impacted by this increased vigor that you get from taking steps is that you turn that energy into, okay, and now that I'm energized, I'm going to go join some friends for knitting or I'm going to go <laughs> for a walk around the neighborhood with my uh, husband or I'm going to, um, you know, uh, try to put a puzzle together with my kids, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, something where you're actually like learning and growing or getting better. Okay. And so they're looking at those two different paths, recovery as a relaxation activity and recovery as a mastery activity. And yes. which of those might impact work-life balance? Yes. Or and actually there is, there is a third path, which is not related to recovery, which is they also think that the more vigor you feel at the end of the day, sometimes that might lead you to engage in a higher number of family activities mm-hmm. in which you actually become really absorbed instead of still maintaining connection to work. So things like I was really focused on my family. I lost track of time. I was so absorbed in family activities. Um, so this third path is not necessarily a recovery experience. They're calling that family absorption. But what they're basically saying is that when you have more energy at the end of the day, sometimes that might lead you to feel really satisfied with the amount of energy you've expended and say, now I can relax without guilt. Sometimes that might give you energy to really fully engage in family activities. Sometimes that might provide you that energy to engage in these mastery activities. But regardless of which of these three things you do, because you have this extra vigor and you've engaged in these um, recovery or in become more involved with your family um, type activities, your satisfaction with work-life balance when you go to bed should be higher. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So it's like, I walked, I can relax. I walked, I can learn something cool. I walked Mm -hmm. and now I disconnect and really engage with my family. Uh, Any of those, I can now feel more balanced because after walking around during the workday, I now feel more energized and can do these other things that are really 
good for you. Like we know all those things are good, right? So any of those three paths you take are going to be in theory yes. good for you. So what do they find? So it all works. Woo-hoo! So, uh, <laughs> so the, uh, prior to end of workday steps led people to me- feel more vigorous at the end of their workday. So more energy. And when people felt more energy, they were more likely to truly be able to relax. They were more likely to engage in mastery activities. They were more likely to become absorbed in their family. And that was more likely to lead to, and all three of those things lead to greater satisfaction with work-life balance. Um, While the paths were similar in strength, the strongest path was through family absorption. So um, Mm -hmm. uh, they're not statistically different from each other, but it is interesting that um, more of uh, the relationship between workday steps and satisfaction with work-life balance was explained by vigor leading to family absorption than the other two paths. Interesting. Yeah, I was just about to ask. You like answered the question before I could even ask you if one of them was stronger. Um, yes. So that's really interesting. Well, not statistically meaningful. So that's interesting to know too, right? Like it yeah. doesn't matter which of these three things you end up putting your energy towards but you're going to feel better at the end of it. And I wonder, did they by any chance like look at, I know it was like all within person, but did they look at like maybe if I have children, I'm more likely to do one of these things versus the, just the strength of the relationship. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, Are you asking if having kids mattered? No, well, that too. That's a good one. But yeah. I was asking if um, like out of those three paths, Oh, it was, is any one of them more likely like for me to take? Like, am I more likely oh. to do one of those things? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't look at that necessarily. Um, it was all within person. So sometimes people did want like it looks like people some sometimes engaged in one, the other or um, really all three of these things are likely to be linked to vigor. Um, but I guess the higher correlation between vigor and family absorption means that you're more likely to turn vigor into family absorption. Um, but in terms of like the frequency um, by which people engage in these things, it seems like vigor truly does lead people to do all of them sometimes. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's like, and to your point, this is within person studies. So it'd be like a different level of analysis to see across yeah. people. If certain yep. types of people are more likely to lean towards one of those paths. Um, but interesting, but you're when you interpreted my question to be about children, which is part of it. Like I was just thinking like, Oh, are people that have more children more likely to be the family absorption people? Yeah. That's what I was trying to think. Like if you were trying to say like, would I be more likely to take one of these paths because of some contextual factor? Yeah. Personally. But, um, but no, it doesn't, it doesn't, they didn't really talk a lot about those kinds of, um, variables. They did look at, um, how your workday stressors might impact this relationship. But regardless of the amount of um, challenge or hindrance stressors, which are good stressors, like, oh, this is challenging, or bad stressors, oh, there are bad things that are going on, um, is it really the number of steps? Or is it that, like, on more um, challenging days in a good way, I might be more physically active or something? So one of the questions they had was, like, was there something about whether or not 
the number of steps people were taking was related to the kind of day they had. Um, um, yeah. And they controlled for both those kinds of stressors and their models still held. So oh. it wasn't so much about what was going on during the day. It really was due to the steps based on the variables that they have in the model. Again, um, there could be some other things that uh, you could used to extend this uh they did mention that most of the people in the study uh were in desk jobs Mm. and so they said that you know this might not be true in jobs that already have a um high level of uh physical activity so like if your job requires you to do tons of physical activity it may not be the case that that physical activity has the same impact um as if you're in a job where you're generally sedentary and these steps are a break from yeah. being sedentary as opposed to generally taking a lot of steps like that could end up being a physically overtaxing job. So um, they can't really like extrapolate findings outside of what would be like more traditional office job. That makes a lot of sense. I'm glad they brought that up because I just think about my mom who works in healthcare and I just know the day she calls me and she's like, I walked 16,000 steps today and I'm so tired. Um, So, I mean, that's super anecdotal, but that's a lot of steps in a work day, right? Um, So I think I could totally see that if you get, if more and more steps isn't necessarily a good thing, if you're not in an office job, um, there's probably like for those types of jobs, there might be some sort of threshold where, you know, at a certain point, it's too many steps. Or right. doesn't have the same kind of impact because they're already walking around a lot. Um, so that's really interesting. Yeah, I love it. I mean, this study basically is just telling us, like, move around a bit and you're going to feel better. And the type, yeah. types of activities you end up doing are going to lead you to feel better, more balanced. Um, so I love it. That's cool. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, we talk a lot about work-life balance in the workplace and how do we achieve balance? And obviously there's no silver bullet for doing that. But I think that a lot of, I mean, just as we were talking about, a lot of people struggle with finding time to get up and move around or we book meetings back to back or it's not normative in our workplaces sometimes for people to walk during meetings or whatever. I think we've talked about this on here before, but Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I feel like I'm like, like some kind of like specter when I'm on my treadmill in meetings depending upon who it's with because people like act like it's like a weird thing um and so I think that if in your workplace if you're a manager particularly and you can encourage people to get more steps in so if you're working remotely like you know you could try to role model that I'm not saying that you need to buy a walking desk or something like that but maybe sometimes you know if you do catch-up calls with your team you could say you know how about every other week on our catch-up call instead of us being on zoom we you know don't have cameras on and because we're not doing something that requires us to be in front of our screens I'm personally going to get up and walk around during it uh you can do whatever you feel comfortable with but like just letting people know that that's okay um I think can be really helpful. And if you don't have influence over people um, from a managerial perspective, but you have some control or autonomy over your own schedule, just setting little reminders to get up and walk around. Um, Or, you know, if it's normative within your company at all to take like mini camera breaks, like if you connect to your computer by headphones and you're working remotely and you just like turn off your camera for two minutes walk around and come back to your chair or whatever. Um, 
sometimes that can even add up. So um, just thinking about little ways to build steps into your day or to role model those steps I think could be helpful. Yeah, I I love what you just said too about like creating the norm of taking like camera breaks to do some of this. Um, I know in the next few weeks, we're going to have a really exciting study about <laughs> Zoom fatigue and cameras. Um, but I think it's almost like the two things can be married together, right? Like we can reduce our camera time, which we know is stressful. We've talked about some of that in a previous episode as well. And then also add in these steps. If we can create that norm, then people will be feeling a lot better. And it's not that hard and it's not expensive to do. So it's something that an organization can like try to implement and influence people and tell them to do it, right? Like your HR department could come out one week and say, hey, we're having like a quick meeting and we're going to tell everyone about this new research and what we encourage you to do is think about how you can take some walking meetings without the camera on and see what happens right I think those are super easy tips and if we you can push that norm for the whole company yeah absolutely yeah so I think the more that you could just make people know that it's okay and honestly I think more and more um in an office setting or virtually you know, people are becoming more and more aware of the downsides of being sedentary from a health perspective. Um, So, you know, I know people in office settings as well that will say, let's have a walking meeting or, you know, instead of us sitting in a lunchroom and, you know, eating lunch for 15 minutes together or whatever the case may be, why don't we take that time and actually, you know, walk around while we're eating a bag of pretzels or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's fine to like get up and do your steps. Um, if you have other downtime, you can, you can combine it with getting steps in as opposed to thinking about everything having to be separate set aside time. Cause I think sometimes that's what also gets in people's way. Like while it would be great to be able to set aside, you know, five or 10 minutes between every meeting to go for a walk, that's sometimes not feasible, but can you turn some of your meetings into walks? Can you turn some of your time where you're just like chatting with coworkers or having a snack or something into time where you're like at least moving around a little bit and not just sitting. So I think that that those kinds of things where you can just use your time wisely can also be a helpful way of converting what would otherwise be sedentary time into more active time. Yeah, I love that tip. I love that idea of even just thinking about how you can even take your lunch break and some things you're going to sit down to eat and other things you can walk around with a bag of pretzels like you said or whatever and nibble as you pace a little right that's not unreasonable so just being creative as to how you can add in those steps I think is really cool and interesting and definitely makes me think about the rest of my week before I see you yeah how I can add in more steps (laughs) and when I see you maybe we can try to get some more steps too although I I suspect we will be walking too many establishments but (laughs) in any event um so yeah so that's it um and everybody you know try to think of a way that you can build a little more steps into your day because it will help you to feel more balanced by the end of the day and I think that's something we all try to strive to figure out how to do yeah thank you so much for sharing this I really appreciate it it was really interesting and cool and I can't wait to see where this type of research goes in the future and um it was fun so fun thank you And for all of our listeners, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or concerns or thoughts about this article, let us know. You can find us on our website, workerbeing.com. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. And you can find us on social media at workerbeing on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you thought this 
article was useful for you, subscribe and share our show. Share it with somebody. As I said, HR can host a call and tell people about this research to make a difference in the workplace. So please share the show and share the love and the research. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson. 